Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. An Odyssey station. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Hour number three of Sports Talk Saturday rolls on. Thanks for joining us today. We've been having quite a few discussions today. Rochester Americans game three tonight. Buffalo Bandits game one tonight against Colorado. And we're going to go over to the hockey world. We're going to keep it in, in the Eastern Conference, though. But on the Western Hotline, we've got Chris Mack over at 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh, to talk a little Penguins. Chris, thank you for joining us today, my friend. How are you doing? Good, guys. How are you? I'm doing great. I do have, just real quick, before we, we jump into, into Pittsburgh sports, the last half hour of the show has been dominated by this topic. How long, in your mind, is a road trip for it to be considered a road trip and not just a day trip or anything like that? Road trip has got to be more than, th- I'd put it like three hours, right? Yes. right so, so, like, so, yeah, so Buffalo that to is Pittsburgh. The, that okay. is the right answer, Chris. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. I think, like, my cutoff, you know, I went to school at Penn State, so, like, State College is, like, two and a half hours. So that's, you get beyond the outer limits of that. Like, Hershey, for us, is more like three and a half hours. That's starting to push the bounds of what is not a road trip. We were saying for us from Buffalo to Syracuse or Buffalo to Pittsburgh, that is like the start of the minimum for a road trip. Rochester to Buffalo, yeah. not a road trip. No, no, you're absolutely what's what's Rochester to Buffalo like an hour, 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 hour and a half, depending on where you're leaving yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not a road trip at all. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> the important stuff first. The important stuff is out of the way first. So anyway, so getting into this, there's been a lot of Things coming out of Pittsburgh with the Penguins and just the really just bad taste that Ron Hextall left in everyone's mouths about mm-hmm. just what walk us through what that whole situation is was like and now that he's gone like what's next like let's just start with how did it how did it happen really well I, I think the first thing that we have to understand if we want to understand the dynamic of Ron Hextall as Penn's GM is that we are used to general managers with the Penguins going really all the way back to Craig Patrick, who built the the first two cup teams in the early 90s. We're used to general managers that are pretty aggressive for the most part. Uh, they go out and get what they think they need to get to compete, other than the little pocket of years where there were some financial issues before the big lockout and the salary cap was installed. Um, we're used to guys who go out and get what, whatever the team needs, right? And more often than not, those guys 
pretty stand up and, and front facing with the media. Again, going all the way back to Patrick, you can come come forward all the way through the lineage of Ray Shiro and Jim Rutherford. Um, Shiro was a little more close to the vest. Obviously, no one's more uh, outspoken than Jim Rutherford. Uh, Jim would tell anybody anything, uh, whether it was true or not. He loved to talk. Um, so we're used to that. We're used to GMs that aren't hiding in their office, so to speak. And maybe that's not fair to characterize Ron Hextall that way. But Ron Hextall wanted to watch videotape of prospects. Ron Hextall wanted to – he's he's not the guy, and it's why they brought Brian Birkin as a pairing to Ron Hextall to be the more gregarious, front-facing, press-embracing uh, half to you know, ying to uh, Ron Hextall's yang. Um, and I think they thought that would work, and for a very brief moment of time – you know, right after they were brought in, it, you know, Burke seemed to embrace that. And it, it seemed like it, they, they could have found, found their footing in that regard. But when Hextall started to really withdraw and when Hextall started to show that he wasn't necessarily going to be aggressive, you know, you look particularly in the second half of the year this year when everybody was itching to make moves up to and including Mike Sullivan, the fans, the players, they all knew they needed something. Ron Hextall just kind of sat there and waited and waited and waited and then made this flurry of odd moves right before the deadline that left us all wondering, like, is that what his plan was all along? When in reality, now we're left to wonder if he really had a plan or if he ever got a chance to maybe, you know, uh, install the plan that he had in mind, which was he kind of wanted to tear this thing down to Crosby and the studs and, and go from there. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a lot of, Ron Hextall is a very different breed of GM than we've ever had uh, during the Penguins' successful years here in Pittsburgh. I think that was the first obstacle. The second obstacle was when he did finally start to make some moves, not not many of them were successful. So on on that point, I mean, he he as, as you really painted that picture, he, he was very much a different GM than Pittsburgh really had ever had. But mm-hmm. even then, the Penguins really only just missed the playoffs. Do you think if the moves kind of had stayed the same, but the Penguins were able to make the playoffs and maybe lose in the first round, do you think the moves up top were still made and that there's kind of this, I guess, fresh feeling around Pittsburgh? Or do you think that they run it back another year and to just kind of, I, I guess, in a way, like the Detroit Red Wings did just a few years ago to keep the streak going, do you think they just stay and, and really just keep this going until it ends? I think the unrest that hit in some of those losses, especially there was a there was a home loss to Montreal, there was a home loss to Ottawa before we even get down to the final week of the season and the, the ugly loss to Chicago at home in the home finale. Um, there were moments, you know, that the, the, the I think it was seven two loss to the Oilers where McDavid just ripped them a new one um, on on PPG Paints Arena ice and people were chanting fire Hextall um, in the third period. I think that finally started to resonate with Fenway Sports Group, the owners. Um, and I think it, for that reason, unless they had gone on some sort of magical run, guys, you know, probably going to get bounced in the first round by Boston. If they had pulled off the impossible like the Panthers did, I still don't see them getting into the conference finals. I just They, they, they weren't built for it this year. Um, they didn't have the depth. They the goaltending was not healthy, and, and even when healthy, is still inconsistent at best. So I, I still think the changes would have been made. I still think Hextall and Burke probably would have been dispatched whenever the season ended, even if it ended in May. Um, but uh, it, it's it, it's again the the 
the organization is always going to want. Now, they are committed to the big three, to Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. So they're going to have to find someone that is willing to work around that, which is going to be very interesting to watch, whether it's Kyle Dubas, whether it's somebody else, you know, Steve Greeley, um, whoever it may be. It's going to have to be somebody who's willing to work around that very large. And it's not bad because we saw, you know, Crosby and Malcolm each played 82 games in the same season for the first time, I think, in their careers this year, or at least the first time since they were both very young. Latang somehow overcame another stroke and still played really well down the stretch. Um, those three are worth building around for another two or three seasons. But it's going to be tough to do that. Also remake the depth. Also find some younger pieces who will be there to replenish the system when those three finally do move on. I mean, that's, that's a lot of different objectives to get under one roof. Yeah, so you kind of mentioned there, you know, Kyle Dubas, Steve Greeley, and, things like, and guys like that. What's next here? Because... Obviously, the big three are signed. The big names are signed. There's still free agents on the roster that need to be signed before July 1st, or at least decisions need to be made on if they'll be signed. Guys like Tristan Yari, um, Ryan Paling, uh, guys like that. How long do you think it'll be before we see the next GM? And in your opinion, who do you think is it's going to be? Well, it's Kyle Dubas' job if he wants it. I've been told that um, by somebody who's kind of close to the to the process. We'll put it that way. Um, Dubas was in town last week. He met with Sidney Crosby. He kind of got the wine and dine treatment. He was down at the Steelers facility one day watching their practice. Um, just kind of, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, and uh, the Penguins doing everything they can to sort of ingratiate him to the city of Pittsburgh and say, hey, here's the support system, right? Here's the, here's the championship uh, expectations and pedigree that the franchises in Pittsburgh have in place. And so, if Kyle Dubas can, is willing to take all of those objectives that I spoke about earlier, place them under one roof, and put the Dubas uh, seal of approval on it and say, yes, I can move forward in that manner, it's his gig if he wants it. And I think Penguin fans would be very excited about that. Um, if, it's, if it's too much for him, if that's too many competing objectives under one umbrella, then maybe they do have to consider a Matthew Darsh or a Steve Greeley and and look at it in, in a different way um they are going to lean on analytics they are going to lean on mike sullivan and his opinions you know he's he's kind of uh, he, he's I, I don't want to say running the show right now because again there's not much to do right now other than compile the work of scouts as you get ready for the draft and, uh, but he certainly has opinions on players and some of those players that you mentioned that are free agents to be, you know, I can't imagine there's a world where Mike Sullivan doesn't want Jason Zucker back on this roster next year, had a career year this year, really the first time they got out of him, what they had hoped to get out of him when they traded for him from the Minnesota wild. Um, so, you know, that is, is one piece in particular. Hey, if Mike Sullivan's going to have the influence and he, and he is regardless of who the GM is, even if it is Kyle Dubas, if Mike Sullivan has that influence, there are guys that he's going to want back. I can't imagine he's necessarily too excited about, for example, being attached at the hip to Jeff Carter for another year, but there's not really much they can do there. Um, so, you know, it, it's whoever the GM is, and those are the three names I've been told that it's down to, that it's it's Darsh, Greeley, or Dubas, again, if he wants it. Um, they're going to have to walk into a situation where they've got a lot of competing objectives, and they've got a head coach with a very strong personality who's got a very good grip on the room and knows exactly what he wants. That's that's a tall task. With, with Dubis, his exit from Toronto, it got really, really 
ugly, very personal. I, I I don't even want to say like necessarily nasty, but just it, it, it felt like every yeah, it was weird. Everything was on the table. It it feels like now everyone knows all the details. Is is there any sort of reservation now of going towards Dubis as he as he did bring up a lot of you know the personal stuff? Not necessarily saying that the Toronto market was maybe too big for him, but just. You know, he wants to do what's right for him and his family and, and stuff like that. Is there any sort of reservations of bringing him into Pittsburgh for, with that? Or is it just have, like he's built a great team, it just wasn't their shot, He's he, you know, he's great kind of deal? Yeah, I haven't gotten that sense, guys. I, I get the sense really that, you know, Pittsburgh is a city, obviously a smaller hockey market than Toronto, right? That can't be argued. And we've seen, I, I think a great example is, what happened to Phil Kessel when he left Toronto and came to Pittsburgh? You know, it's a little bit of apples and oranges here. We're talking about a player and an executive, but the glare is so much less intense in Pittsburgh. And look, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh loves the Penguins when they're playing well and is still a hockey town. Don't get me wrong, but the the, the glare is just not nearly as harsh as it is in Toronto. In, to, in Toronto, every single person in that city eats, lives, and breathes Maple Leafs hockey, right? Hockey in general – but specifically between September and you know May, it's Maple Leafs. It's 12 months a year, it's, it's hockey. And that you, you can get away from that just a little bit here in Pittsburgh. You can be allowed to breathe a little bit away from the rink, away from the building. Um, it's one of the things that keeps Mario Lemieux in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, he spends a lot more time up in Montreal now, as, as I understand, and a lot more time down in Florida. But one of the things that kept him in Pittsburgh after he was done playing and as he became an owner was, well, people give me my space in Pittsburgh. You know, they, they don't run up on me all the time if I'm out to dinner with my family. And players say that over and over and over again. People, whether they play for the Penguins, the Pirates, the Steelers, whoever, um, I can have my personal space in a, in a town like Pittsburgh. And I think if that's what Kyle Dubas is looking for, hey, just a little bit of personal space and let me do the job, then he will be totally and wholly embraced in Pittsburgh. Um, because to your point, you know, he has a plan. You know, I I talked to somebody up in Toronto earlier this week. They said the Maple Leafs had a plan, and it was Kyle Dubas, right? So if the Penguins are looking for – if they want to go from one extreme opposite to the other, um, and and the first opposite being a guy who said – when he sat down with Fenway Sports Group over a year ago, told them the plan was all up here and tapped his head, um, to the extreme opposite, which is Kyle Dubas is going to sit down and tell you, hey, year one, this is it. Year two, this is it. Year three, here's the goal. This is how we get a cup in the next three years before these guys start to age out. I mean, that's the guy you want, and I think Penguin fans would be ecstatic about it, regardless of how it went down with him and and Shanahan in Toronto. Yeah, to be honest, Dubas is one of the most interesting GMs in the NHL to me, just because... One, of his age, he's not part of that, like almost like Ron Hextall was, part of the old boys club of like they're just right. retired players coming in. And I think it's kind of what we can see moving forward with with GMs in the future in the NHL. Look at the Sabres with Sam Ventura and Jason Carmanos. They're not GMs, but they're heavily influenced in that decision-making of like analytics and things like that. Mm-hmm. How do you think, because you spoke a little earlier about Mike Sullivan being very active in 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 you know player transactions and things like that do you think that the two of them would mesh well or do you think if Dubas comes in Sullivan could leave or how how do you foresee that happening I I think they would coexist well I do um now if things continue to devolve here in Pittsburgh and you know they miss the playoffs again next year now we're we're treading on thin ice uh, no pun intended um on how that relationship would move forward because look Sully has been very good. You, you know, you mentioned Jason and Sam in particular. 
those are two of the guys that he, he, he embraced lots of the ideas that, that they would bring to the table when they were here in Pittsburgh. And I think Sully is always willing to listen to that stuff. And he's been very good about taking the information and, and, and finding a conclusion from the information. Um, what you get from some people, and Ron Hextall was one of those people, was, hey, here's my belief. Now show me the information that backs that up. I, I don't need all this other stuff. Just give me the information that backs up what I think is happening. Sullivan is much more open uh, and has been very embracing to new lines of thinking. Um, he's been around the game forever. You would think being a Boston guy, dropping his R's everywhere, that he would be more old boys hockey, but he really isn't. Um, he embraces stuff, and that's why I think it's great you brought up Jason and Sam because those are two of the guys who, who brought things to the table here in Pittsburgh that Mike Sullivan did embrace. And I think if, if Kyle Dubas is going to bring in his own team of people or he himself walk into Mike Sullivan's office and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing, what do you think? Sullivan's going to take that and then openly analyze it and not necessarily shut it down. I think at least the first year, depending on results after that, I don't know, but at least the first year, I think those two could coexist pretty symbiotically. Uh, looking to on the ice, you, you did mention earlier that you know Crosby and Malkin, we, we, we really and truly finally saw a season where both of them were healthy the entire time and, and really got to see that in action. Latang is still there, of course, but w- where do you see this team being able to improve enough to really be a contender in the East within Crosby and Malkin's time left in the league? It's tough. They've got to, they've got to you know, the first thing they've got to do is decide if, if they really believe that Tristan Jari can stay healthy enough for them to do anything in the playoffs with him. Um, that's the first step. Um, I, I know I mentioned Jason Zucker is one of the first names earlier. That's a, a very big priority as well. I think they have to bring him back because it really does give them some, some middle six depth um, because Zucker can play with Malkin, played very well with Malkin this year, or hopefully uh, as a part of a deeper lineup could play third line and give you both some gritty grimy minutes as well as the ability to score from a depth line. Um, those two pieces aside, they've also got to figure out just what the heck they're going to do with the bottom six forwards. Um, they've, and what they're willing to give up, if anything, to improve that depth, um, because there's not a lot to deal from. I mean, if you're not willing to part with Brian Rust and Brian Rust isn't at his peak trade value right now, um, if you're not willing to uh, part with Marcus Pedersen and they really like the way Pedersen played this year, there's just not a lot of, of, of high-end trade capital on this roster right now that you can use to move pieces around. Um, and so that's why I think look, it, everybody here is aching for some kind of big move or for a flurry of, of, of second-level moves that maybe improve that depth, especially the forward depth, or go out and get get a goaltender. There's nothing. Look at the goaltender market, the free agent market this year. I mean, it's Freddie Anderson and he's what, 33, 34 and a bunch of guys. I mean, it's not pretty, the free agent market. You're going to have to make a deal. Um, I don't know if John Gibson, John Gibson, I don't think is necessarily excited about staying in Anaheim. I also don't know if he's necessarily excited about coming home to a place where so much pressure would be put on him to be the savior in his hometown. Um, so the goaltending fixes are few and far between unless you're going to give up half your roster for Connor Hellebuck and then commit $10 million a year to him. You know, there's just not enough moves out there in net. So it may be a one-year prove-it deal for Tristan Jari. Bring Jason Zucker back. You believe that your, your aging core and your top six can give it to you again for another year. Cross your fingers, knock on wood, that happens. And then go out and find some depth pieces. Go out and find the guys that you've had in the past, like the 
Evan Rodriguez's of the world who can move up in the lineup if they have to, if there's a couple injuries, but are much more at home on a third or fourth line, giving you a gritty game, playing puck possession, going and retrieving in the corners, and then also creating in transition. I mean, that those I don't want to say those are unicorns, but those are going to be tough to find on the trade market, but they've got to do something in, in, in free agency and with a couple of moves here and there to remake that, that forward depth because they just don't have it. On the Western Hotline, Chris Mack over at 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh. Chris, before we do let you go, it is baseball season, and the Pittsburgh Pirates seem to be one of the hottest teams to start the year. They had mm-hmm. a really tough May. I know Anel Cruz went out with a pretty bad-looking injury earlier in the year. What happened to them to kind of go on this little bit of a slide? They're still above 500, but they have not been the same team in May. I mean, their OPS from April to May, guys, dropped a good 250, 300 points as a team. They oh just boy. did not hit. They just did. They went from top three in offense in April to bottom three for much of May. Um, the only guy that was hitting in the month of May really uh, consistently was Andrew McCutcheon. Um, so they, they've, they've just got to find the offense. They found it last night in Seattle. It was a really fun, entertaining game to watch if you stayed up for it. Seven home runs they hit. Um, the Mariners hit a couple bombs, too. Um, Mitch Keller didn't have to pitch out of his mind for them to get a win. He didn't have to shut the opposition down as he has much of the year. So that's, that's encouraging. They need to do that more than once every five or six games. They need to get back to doing that every two or three games, finding more consistency in that offense. They hit with two outs and runners in scoring position again last night, which was good to see start doing that again. And they don't need to go 20 and eight like they did in April, but just go, you know, uh, Go 15 and 13 each month, and we'll look up, and you'll be right there in the wild card conversation at the end of the year like the Orioles were last year. I think that's, I think that's what the hope is now, that they don't fall apart, that maybe they can steady the ship and uh, play right around 500 ball the rest of the way and be in the conversation. Well, I speak for Zach here when I think uh, he's just looking for a little solace because Zach is an Angels fan. He 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 failed to leave that oh, out of the question. It's my own personal hell. It's, it's my trial and error every day. Zach, every time I look at the Angels, I see – Two otherworldly talents in Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani, and I just shake my head and say, what the hell happened? How, Could you imagine you... if they were on any other team? Oh, my God. It, 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 not even a playoff appearance. It's, it's, I, I'll say a prayer for you tonight. I was having a great Saturday, too. I was having a great Saturday. It's, oh, it's, Chris, it is, it is honestly a painful existence. It is, it is, I, I mean, I was born and raised in Buffalo. I'm a Bills and Sabres fan. But my dad is an Angels fan, and that's how I got it from him. And it's the worst thing he's ever given to me as a father is to be an Angels fan. It is brutal existence every day. Oh, it's tough. it's, it's well, tough. Otani's probably not even going to be on the roster next year. It's brutal. Oh, my God, if they let him get away. Well, that was a fun talk. That was good. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. You know, it ended on we, – we, we turned it into a positive – we willed it into a positive there with the Angels. Chris, thanks so much, my man. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, and thanks for coming on with us. You too, guys. I appreciate the time. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.